Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Some very serious questions have arisen about the way Missouri's procured drugs used in executions in recent years. BuzzFeed News is reporting that Missouri has used a questionable local pharmacy for the drugs in transactions shrouded in secrecy. The story is the work of former St. Louis public radio reporter Chris McDaniel. He did a lot of groundbreaking reporting for us on drugs used in Missouri executions before moving on to BuzzFeed. Chris McDaniel joins us now from New York City. Chris, nice to talk to you once again. Thanks, Don. It's good to be back. And congratulations on a very nice job on this story. Well, thank you very much. Not an easy one for you to report, was it, or has it been over the years? Uh, no. Uh, this was probably the, the hardest story I've ever worked on. Uh, it took several years of digging. Uh, this was something that the state fought extremely hard to not get out. Uh, they were using cash payments, code names, limiting the paper trail, keeping this information only to a handful of government employees. Um, what, why, Chris, why has there been such a debate over drugs uh, used in lethal injections in Missouri and elsewhere? Well, I think the debate is is because the reputable options don't really want to supply for executions. And that's led to states turning to some pretty questionable sources um, and – the concern is that drugs coming from questionable sources could put inmates through a pretty painful process during their executions. And we've been hearing quite a bit about that over the last couple of years. Uh, certain cases uh, jump out and they've been, they've been uh, right. horrible executions, I guess is the only way to put right. it. Right. In Oklahoma, there was a 45-minute execution uh, where the inmate you know, was sitting up on the gurney, um, a very bloody affair. There was an, a two-hour execution in Arizona uh, where he was described as uh, gulping like a fish out of water. Um, and, and there have been some other botched execution attempts with uh, Oklahoma obtaining the wrong drug and injecting the inmate with the wrong drug. Uh, and nearly uh, having the same error. Why is it that the reputable pharmaceutical firms uh, want to shy away from this whole execution thing? Well, it's it's not good for business. So, so this pharmacy in particular, Foundation Care, uh, we reported that they got one hundred and thirty-five thousand uh, dollars for supplying execution drugs for seventeen executions. And you know, one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars is quite a lot for the amount of drugs that they were selling. I mean, these these drugs are not worth very much. But when you compare that to what they could be making and, and, and sort of the opportunity cost of after they've been outed as the supplier, this could open them up to lawsuits. Uh, they've already had to defend themselves from other lawsuits uh, just to keep their name hidden. Uh, it opens them up to boycotts. Uh, the the companies that supply the ingredients that go into the drugs that they're making will not like this either. Um, and it, it really causes more heartache than it's worth for, for most companies to, to do. You know, some of the, uh, the facts that you report in this story sound like they're right out of the movies. You talk about secrecy. You're, you're talking about envelopes stuffed with cash, and you mentioned code names. Elaborate on that just a bit, if you would. Yeah, so in all of the documents in which this pharmacy is referred to, it's referred to only by its code name, M7. Uh, and each member of the execution team is given a, a, a different M pseudonym. Uh, and what was happening with, with M7 and Foundation Care was 
Shortly before each, each execution, the second-in-command for the Missouri Department of Corrections, uh, they would go and meet with a representative of Foundation Care, and they would hand over an envelope of a little over $7,000, all of which is in cash, most of it in $100 bills. And in exchange, they would be handed uh, four vials of pentobarbital. Uh, and, that, and that's the process that they went through for each of these executions. Uh, the, the attorney in the attorney general's office who is representing uh, the Missouri Department of Corrections and all of their death penalty ma- matters, he wasn't even aware of the identity of the pharmacy. This is something that they kept to a very, very small subset of people. We should point out just to make absolutely certain that the listeners know that Foundation Care is the compounding pharmacy that we're talking about located right here in St. Louis. It's kind of a homegrown pharmacy, if you will. That's right. That's right. Uh, out in Earth City, uh, and they've been they've been around since 2004. They cater mostly to cystic fibrosis patients, um, and they've they've you know as the story goes into they've had uh, several problems with inspections uh, and and one lawsuit uh, by a, a cystic fibrosis patient who alleged that drugs that she took supplied by Foundation Care became toxic and and gave her pneumonia. Um, and Foundation Care, it's worth pointing out, denied wrongdoing. And then they settled out of court after the patient died. Has Foundation Care admitted at all to providing drugs for the state for executions? No. And I, and I spoke to the head pharmacist uh, back in 2015. And uh, when I spoke with him then, he adamantly denied uh, that they were the supplier. Um, I, I did several more years of reporting, uh, and then I, I told uh, Dan Blakely, who's the head pharmacist at Foundation Care, that we would be going forward with our story, and at that point, he said that he didn't want to talk. Uh, Centene, uh, we gave them about uh, – so, so this pharmacy was, was recently sold off uh, to Centene Corporation in October. Uh, we gave them a few weeks to comment, and they, and they declined to do so. After we published, uh, they reached out to say that Foundation Care will no longer be selling uh, drugs for executions without admitting that they were the supplier. Yeah, Centene just uh, released that statement overnight. Uh, Actually, uh, Foundation Care was a subsidiary of a Centene subsidiary, wasn't it? Right, right, right. It, it, uh, it's uh, Acaria Health is, is the Centene subsidiary that, that bought Foundation Care in October. Foundation Care, uh, as you've indicated, had a, a, a series of issues with regard to uh, perhaps contaminated uh, pharmaceuticals, and the FDA called it a high-risk company at one time, I, I see, according to your report. Why didn't right. the FDA step in, do you think? That's an interesting question uh, and also a complicated one. So, so compounding pharmacies are mostly regulated by the states and not by the FDA. Um, and you know, partially as a result of that, the drugs that they make have a significantly higher failure rate than those of manufactured drugs, which are regulated by the FDA. Uh, in this case, what happened in 2012 was uh, this separate pharmacy uh, in New England uh, mixed up a batch of drugs that that gave hundreds of people meningitis, had a big outbreak. Uh, It killed like 75 people. And after this happened in 2012, that's when the FDA was like, we need to be doing more about compounding pharmacies. And so after that outbreak, they were like, let's let's make a list of the compounding pharmacies that we are most concerned about, that, that are the most high risk. On that list was Foundation Care. And that's why they went to Foundation Care to inspect them. Uh, 
There, there's been some some issues between FDA and compounding pharmacies in terms of whether or not uh, compounding pharmacies believe that they have the right to be inspected by the FDA. Uh, Dan Blakely, the head pharmacist, wanted to block the FDA from coming in. He didn't want to let them to come in. After they came in, found a lot of problems. The FDA told them about the problems, and his response was to threaten the FDA, uh, that he would come at them with a vengeance if they published their findings. I'm still kind of mystified as to why the FDA doesn't have the authority and the power to shut down an operation, you know, given these inconsistencies. Right. So so they've asked Congress for more power to regulate compounding pharmacies. Um, In this specific case, they referred the matter to the Missouri Board of Pharmacy. And it's really unclear what actions the Missouri Board of Pharmacy took. Um, The Board of Pharmacy refused to turn over records to us, and I think it's worth pointing out that the Board of Pharmacy reports to the governor, uh, as does the Department of Corrections. Uh, I think it's also worth pointing out that the FDA warned the Missouri Board of Pharmacy about this pharmacy's behavior on February 26, 2014, and that was the exact same day that the state began injecting inmates with their drugs. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and, And after that warning, they continued to use the pharmacy's drugs for 16 more executions. And Foundation Care is still in business. I've got to take a break. We're talking with Chris McDaniel of BuzzFeed News, and we're talking about his story on acquiring drugs for Missouri's execution protocol. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. If you'd like to be a part of it, if you have questions for Chris McDaniel, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org. Or if you'd prefer to send a tweet, do so at STL on air. Back in a moment, this is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Chris, how did uh, how did the state hook up with uh, foundation care? Do we know? That's a really good question. Uh, I can provide at least a little bit of the context of why they had to turn to foundation care. So, so back in November of, of 2013, uh, the state was using this compounding pharmacy in Oklahoma called the Apothecary Shop. Um, in late December and early January, uh, St. Louis Public Radio reporter Veronique LaCapra and I published a story that identified that pharmacy and pointed out that they weren't licensed to sell in the state, which is normally a felony. Um, and after we published that story, the apothecary shop was sued, and they agreed to no longer sell drugs for executions. And this was in February of, of 2014, and the state was really scrambling to find a new supplier at that time. Uh, and that's when they turned to foundation care. I don't know who approached who, uh, and I don't know how the state landed on this one, but I, you know, I can say in general, states are not very picky about who is supplying the drugs as long as they are willing. One of the key ingredients in these so-called lethal injection cocktails is pentobarbital, and that is a little difficult to acquire. Do we know how Foundation Care acquired it? So there are two possibilities. One is that the pharmacy mixed it up itself uh, as a compounding pharmacy, and that, that's what the apothecary shop was doing. The other possibility is that they obtained uh, a manufactured version of the drug, uh, and that is really hard to get a hold of because the only manufacturer of it 
has enacted some pretty stringent guidelines to keep it out of the hands of, of death penalty states, uh, and they force all of their distributors to sign agreements uh, that they won't sell it to departments of correction. As of yet, it's unclear how they obtained the drug uh, that they sold, uh, and the pharmacy has declined to answer that question. Once again, secrecy is playing a major a major role in all of these. Uh, com- again, complicating your efforts to try to track all of this down. Let's yeah. bring in let's bring in the former Missouri Attorney General Chris Coster. Uh, you have him mentioned uh, prominently in your story. Um, he, he has a role to play uh, as Attorney General and now, doesn't he? Right. So so he was uh, Attorney General while while uh, the Department of Corrections was facing off a handful of lawsuits seeking to identify foundation care, uh, at least six of them by my count. Uh, two of them were, were from me and, and from other reporters, and uh, others were subpoenas trying to get it uh, on behalf of inmates. And, and that was Coster's office that was handling those appeals. Um, a year ago, after, after Coster left the attorney general's office, uh, he accepted a position as a, a VP of Centene Corporation, which, of course, is the company that purchased foundation care in October uh, Centene declined to make him available and declined to answer the question of whether or not he played any role in the acquisition of this pharmacy. Yeah, we can't draw that conclusion, but it's certainly the connection certainly does raise eyebrows. It, it, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, and it's also very unclear if, if Centene was even aware at all that this pharmacy was selling execution drugs um, when they purchased it back in October. They have declined to answer that question as well. Where does this story go from here, Chris? That's a good question. Um, Centene has said that the company will no longer sell execution drugs, um, but Missouri has already amassed a pretty considerable stockpile of the pharmacy's drugs. So I'm not sure how it will, how or if it will impact uh, any upcoming executions. Uh, when the apothecary shop, the state's previous supplier, was identified, they were sued. I have no idea if that's going to happen in this case. Um, it really remains to be seen. The uh, the stockpiling issue is one that you bring to your story. Apparently, that's why we had such a string of these 17 executions, almost one a month, I believe, is the way they were carried out. And that's why right. the state was so desperate to get a hold of the, these uh, pharmaceuticals. Right. And, and, and they had built up, you know, a pretty big backlog before this, um, in part because it's so hard for states to carry out the death penalty because these drugs are so hard to get a hold of. Other states have had much more trouble than the state of Missouri has. Uh, and Missouri was able to use this pharmacy and, and get a pretty considerable stockpile. And now we know how. Do we have any idea of how large this stockpile actually is? The last time I checked, it was it was enough for a handful of executions. I can't remember how much off the top of my head. Um, but we also don't know when the drugs expire, which is an important part of this. Um, because if they expire soon, then the state of Missouri is without a supplier unless they can find a, a, a different one. Um, but if the expiration date is in quite some time, then it would be enough to carry out several executions until then. Could Centene uh, demand that the drugs be returned to uh, Foundation Care or Centene or whomever? They could, and uh, manufacturers have have tried to do this in the past. They are not always successful. Um, It's, uh, you know, it's not so clear what right of action they have to, to, you know, 
either just say please do so or to say we will sue you if you don't and and it's it's unclear if that would pressure the Missouri Department of Corrections to act. We only have a couple of minutes left and I wanted to let our audience uh, in on some of the difficulties that you faced in, in putting this story together over the last couple of years. Uh, you have been subject to some scrutiny by the people that you've been scrutinizing, haven't you? <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, investigative reporting is finding new and interesting ways uh, to get people to tell you, I don't want to talk to you, uh, <laughs> which definitely happened for this story. Um, an assistant attorney general, uh, while I was reporting out this story, called our attorneys to complain uh, that I was speaking to uh, employees at the at the Department of Correction. Uh, the attorney for Foundation Care, uh, he actually called the police on me uh, when I was trying to speak with him very cordially. I'm not a very intimidating person, I promise. Uh, but yeah, and that's part of the job. Well, let me say this. You're more intimidating than you may think when you're writing stories like this. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. But. I don't think there's – only 30 seconds left. Do you have any sense that the FDA might uh, move uh, significantly on these compounding pharmacies? I think that the FDA definitely would like more power, and they've actually used foundation care uh, citing this pharmacy as as a specific reason that they need more power. Uh, I think if they do get more power, they're also going to need a lot more resources to be able to go in and inspect all of these different pharmacies, uh, because right now they just don't have the manpower to inspect all of them. Yeah, the wheels move very, very slowly in government sometimes, don't they? Right. They Buzz, do. BuzzFeed News investigative reporter Chris McDaniel, thanks so much for being with us, and congratulations once again on a great job on a very, very interesting story. Thanks for having me on, Don. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.